Welcome to season two of Talks and Sips. I am Jess. And I am Ceci. Full disclosure, guys, I'm getting over a cold. It's been like kind of crazy. So if my voice does give out at any point, I'm just going to dump all my notes onto Cecilia. <laughs> <laughs> and she will have to pretend to be me. I will. Um, <laughs> okay, so how you doing? What you sipping? Like, does it spark joy and stuff? I'm doing good. Um, I'm drinking. I'm matching today. So <laughs> I'm wearing Matt's sweater just because it's, it's comfy and it's like cozy. Mm-hmm. It's a little cold in here. so <laughs> And I'm drinking a salted caramel latte out of the Halloween Horror Nights from last year. And that's what the sweater's of. Uh, it's pretty good. And then I also have like a kind of a matching coaster. It's the Ooh, a Frankenstein. Like yeah, a Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein coaster that I didn't take the tag off, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Why does this keep being a thing? <laughs> what are we trying to do? Return all of this? <laughs> I know. <laughs> what about you? What are you drinking? I'm having, because, you know, it's always Halloween over here. I am having a coffee. It's super special because I haven't had coffee in like a solid almost three weeks now. And um, I I, did it. (laughs) I've been drinking lots of tea, like so much tea. And it feels so nice in here because it's like a drag, you know, valley or whatever. (laughs) And I I saw a friend by accident the other day at the climbing gym and I was like, you guy in the turquoise shirt. And then that gave me enough time to remember his name. His name is Ruben. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, he and his buddies like started up this small uh, coffee company and it's called One Fresh Cup and it's a pour over situation. And the little pour over thing like has a coffee in it and it has little arms to hold onto your cup, whatever size. (laughs) And then you just put hot water in. It's so cool. Oh, nice. And no plastic. (laughs) Anyway, so just coffee. But as life proves over and over, it just keeps on keeping on. And as we embark on this current events episode, we just hope that, you know, it gives you newfound knowledge uh, on some stuff that could be affecting you directly or indirectly, you know? Yeah. And this first one, I feel like it's it's pretty much everyone, at least in America, knows about it. And... You know, whether you watch the Golden Girls or the Mary Tyler Moore show, you knew exactly who Betty White was. Again, if you're from the States, from out of the States, I'm sure you've probably heard of her. Um, Unfortunately, she did pass away on Friday, December 31st of last year, 2021. And she was just a few weeks shy of her 100th birthday. So to honor her memory, we'll be going through her accomplishments throughout her years. And her birthday was last week. So it's kind of like a little ooh. (laughs) Um, a a memorial is that what it's no remembrance remembrance I don't know for her it's not a membrane (laughs) (laughs) no I was just gonna say like everyone really thought she really thought everyone was like all right she's gonna make it to one honey and like life was like nah man not yeah unfortunately (laughs) to start off Betty Marion White was born in Oak Park Illinois on January 17th 1922 hold the folk you know, we're always like, man, that's a winner name. That's not a winner name. That's a winner name. <laughs> For you astrology folks, she is a Capricorn. So do with that what you will. She <laughs> she was also an only child to her parents. And they ended up moving to Los Angeles when she was just a toddler. And she graduated from Beverly Hills High School in 1939, where she appeared in multiple student productions and quote, even wrote her class's graduation play in which she had the lead role. 
During World War II, she served in the American Women's Voluntary Services and drove a PX truck, delivering soap, toothpaste, and candy to soldiers manning the gun emplacements the government had established in the hills of Santa Monica and Hollywood. So she, she was always just keeping busy. And during this time, she met her first hubby, Dick Barker, a P-38 pilot, and the marriage, unfortunately, only seemed to last less than a year. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Them pilots, you can't keep them down. Yeah. Don't worry, though. She moved on. <laughs> okay, good. Toward the end of the war, she became involved in the Bliss Hayden Little Theater, which was run by two Hollywood character actors, Layla Bliss and Harry Hayden. And it was designed to give young people a chance to perform in front of an audience. And something I learned about her while like researching this is that she actually started in radio at, before going into the TV scene. So her first performance there was in Dear Ruth, which is a comedy about a girl who pretends to be her older sister. And it was seen by Lane Allen, an actor turned agent, who encouraged her to just go for an acting career. And, you know, actors, agents, sometimes a little stuff gets mixed. <laughs> and so they got married later. <laughs> Can't have business without pleasure, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that did end with divorce as well. However, oh. <laughs> however, third time's a charm because Mar Betty, I keep calling her Mary. <laughs> <laughs> She looks like a Mary. <laughs> Third time's a charm because Betty did marry Alan Ludden in 1963. And she had said that she he was the love of her life. And they were married up until his setting passing in 1981. And it's unfortunate their time together was cut short. But at least she knew that he was the one for her. She had to kiss a few toads to get there. But she got there. <laughs> Yeah, and she she was just constantly having work coming in and out. She was a very busy woman. On her IMDb, she has 124 acting credits, and that's just insane. And her first credit goes back to 1945 as an extra for a short film. And it just goes to show that we all got to start somewhere. <laughs> According to the mini biography from biography.com, she co-founded the production company Bandy Productions and created the show Life with Elizabeth. And she was not only a producer for the show, which was very rare for a woman to be producing at this time, but she also played the lead of Elizabeth. And that went on for about three years. She was also appearing on Date with the Angels and having like a few other roles in a couple other TV shows or a few other TV shows. And then in 1973 came the Mary Tyler Moore show where she played Sue Ann Nivens, which she won two Emmys for. And I never watched the show, but here's how the article describes Betty's character. Miss White was annoyingly positive and upbeat, but also manipulative and body. The sex pod next door who would have who would have you believe she slept with entire army brigades during World War II. So <laughs> that's a character. <laughs> Once when someone asked how she was feeling, her character Sue Ann replied cheerfully. I didn't sleep a wink all night. I feel wonderful. <laughs> After the show, she moved on to The Betty White Show, as well as a one-off recurring character in a ton of other shows, including The Love Boat, Mama's Family, Santa Barbara, and Empty Nest, and plenty more. And then came the iconic show The Golden Girls, and right after The Golden Palace. 
Ironically, this character was basically the complete opposite of her character on the Mary Tyler Moore show, and she plays Rose Neeland on both these shows, and her character was described as naive and scatterbrained, <laughs> which just goes to show the Betty had range, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, again from the article... Whereas Sue Ann knew everything there was to know about getting a man into bed, Rose got to the same place innocently and by being just a wee bit off center. (laughs) I feel you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) So Betty was actually the last surviving member of the four gals on the show. It was Estelle Getty who passed away in 2008, Bay Arthur in 2009, and Rue McClannon in 2010. And I, I see a pattern here. And I'm sure in 2011, she was like super scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, but she made it past that. And per her IMDb, she has 40 nominations and 39 wins. That's a good ratio there. <laughs> her last one being in 2019 when she won the Sin Euphoria Career Honorary Award, as well as the 2021 Women's Film Critics Circle Award for Lifetime Achievement winner. So this was after her passing, but she still got another one. So she's she's racking them up still. <laughs> you go, girl. Yeah, it's crazy, but also inspiring that when Betty got the role for Sue Ann, she was already in her 50s. And that role just pushed her career up to the next level. So, again, gives you hope. Yeah, especially because a lot of women talk about how, like, all right, once you start pushing 40, it gets really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're and you, and subconsciously, they've already decided, like, all right, I, I put a bunch of money away from my other stuff, like my kids, like, will be good. Um, I should expect to be called a lot less. And so even Sandra Bullock's like, you know, look at Netflix. Like, I'm, I'm over 40. And like, more opportunities are arising. That's mm-hmm. never happened before. Yeah. So it's, it's a nice um, motivation, if you're in that age group or coming close to it Mm -hmm. so during the last few years betty was having fun as she should she always was honestly but (laughs) but she She was really just not caring anymore (laughs) she was like oh give me all the what was her i think her drink was vodka or like or uh, what's the other one that makes you really dry um gin she's just Mm. like like gin gin martinis or something like that (laughs) well she i guess while she was drinking she (laughs) she released two books in 2011 first one being if you ask me in parentheses and of course you won't which side note to that she won her first grammy for best spoken word album for this book and the second one she released was betty and friends my life at the zoo And it's a pretty well-known fact that Betty was a huge animal lover. You know, in fact, for her birthday last week, I've been seeing stuff since her passing that's like, oh, we should, everybody should donate like five bucks to their local animal shelter because that's really what she wanted. She loved the animals. She wanted to help them. So Mm. if you were able to do that, great. If you didn't, you could still do it. (laughs) Unless you're an animal lover, then I have questions. This is going to get really interesting at the end of the episode now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, back in 2006, the Los Angeles Zoo named Betty ambassador to the animals, and they had a plaque made for her honor. She really was a huge sweetheart, and this just blew it out of the water. She's an animal Mm -hmm. lover, too. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) She won her last Emmy when she hosted Saturday Night Live, which she also became the oldest host for the show as well. So again, just knocking down records. (laughs) And in 2012, a hidden camera show named Betty White's Off Their Rockers, where old people just played pranks on younger people. That's I would love to do that when I'm in my 90s. <laughs> I love, 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 love that so much. That that almost reminds me of that music video that um, that rapper. What's his name? The white rapper. Shoot, he's Eminem. the one. Oh, no, the other one. The other one. The other white rapper. Oh my god, I can't remember. I'm like brain farting. But basically, in one of the music videos, his whole day is he takes his grandma out. And like, it's just behind the scenes of them going to the park, going to get drinks, going to the mm. shopping. And it's just so cool. It's Macklemore. <laughs> it's Macklemore. Oh, he hasn't been around for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Betty was the host of this show, as well as one of the executive producers. And she was a working lady up until the very end. She did voice acting in Toy Story 4 for a tiger named Bitey White. And (laughs) clever. Yeah. Recently, Matt and I finally started watching Community. And in the second season, she (laughs) makes a special appearance as the anthropology anthropology teacher. And she was so great. (laughs) It was a super funny, yeah, little cameo there. And on December 31st this last year, we, as well as everyone else, were shocked to learn that America's Golden Girl had passed away at the age of 99. And according to CBS News, Betty White died from a stroke she had six days before her December 31st death at age 99, according to her death certificate. So, in like, simplified, she passed away in her home as a result of the stroke she had on Christmas. Which is so sad. Yeah. So many people went onto social media and showed all the love for Betty White. You know, she left a huge mark on so many of us, whether we were in the industry or not. And, you know, she'll truly be missed. And knowing how Betty was, though, she would want us to celebrate her life and just pass on what she's taught us and not just be sad and mourn. Obviously, we're mourning, but in a happy way. Yeah. And even if you weren't like necessarily a direct fan of hers, Mm -hmm. you knew her age, you knew she was always smiling, you knew people held her in best regard. So like you were rooting for her, even if you didn't feel like that fandom towards her, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. With what what do they say? With ups come down. So (laughs) this is that this is that kind of month, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, I, I love comedy. I love laughing. And I love knowing that Bob Saget left audiences and people in his personal life feeling valued, cherished and loved. There has been an immense outpouring of grief, but also a sense of honor for those that got to know Bob or got you know, an opportunity um, to make memories with him. I for sure, like my memory of Bob Saget, I loved Full House as a kid. I'm sure everybody did, but I don't know. Danny, the dad, I just Mm -hmm. always had such a like love for him because he's like raising all these kids and he doesn't have a wife and it's so sad. (laughs) Which is, it is really sad, but Mm -hmm. also like of kind of a mirror to, like the casting was perfect because Bob had dealt with immense grief in his personal life as well. Very Mm -hmm. similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. So on January 9th, 2022, Bob Saget passed away at the Rick's at the Ritz, no, at the Ritz Carlton in Orlando. His last tweet that morning was at 1242 a.m., like the same day, mm-hmm. right? So he says, 
Um, he took a selfie. He was feeling fine. Um, it said he says, "Love tonight's show at PV Concert Hall in Jacksonville. Appreciative audience. Thanks again at the Real Tim Watkins for opening. I had no idea I had a two-hour set tonight. I'm happily addicted again to this shit. Check BobSaget.com for my dates in 2022. So he was really stoked to be doing yeah. stand-up again, which mm-hmm. is you know his first love, and. And yeah, like what? So yeah. with Betty, it just felt like we, with Betty, we just felt like we were kind of holding our breath, you know, because her passing was kind of inevitable. Mm-hmm. But also we knew like it was going to happen sooner or later. So you kind of like can prepare mentally a little bit better. Yeah. But with Saget's passing, people felt very blindsided. He was, you know, he was really excited to be on the road again, doing the stand up, and he had a love and passion for it. So you don't think like, you know, you're not hearing like, oh, he's abusing drugs or, mm-hmm. you know, he's like drinking, he's being self-destructive. None of that. He was yeah. just like, I'm stoked to do what I love. I will say, though, the only thing, because um, I don't, you can't really see it in that picture, but in other pictures that are taken of him, he has mm-hmm. like this neck thing mm-hmm. where like it looks like a double chin, but like behind like a little bit and apparently my chiropractor told me this so I don't know if it's like 100% real or not but she (laughs) Mm -hmm. said her dad had the same thing and he passed away of a heart attack and apparently that's like a common build-up to a heart attack you have that and so she that's why she's like I think Mm -hmm. that he had a heart attack because he's not doing drugs or anything like that I'm like that Mm kind of makes sense so maybe possibly Maybe. Well, I mean, we won't know. Like, we won't know. And we won't know for like 10 to 12 weeks, probably, when the full autopsy report is out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like, it's, man, that sucks. Like, your body just, you know, you hear about people like, oh, they just, my, I think my sister's best friend just passed away uh, a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. And she she was like, you know, sharing a room with her daughter, one of her daughters. She said, I don't feel good. She's, and they're like, oh, you're, you're probably fine, mom. Just go to sleep. She said, I don't know. I don't feel good. And then in, in the time that she slept or whatever, she ended up having like a stroke. And she uh, mm. she ended up dying. Yeah. Wow. So you just, you never, like, basically, like, if you're feeling any type of way, and if me getting better has taught me anything, is like, listen to your body and, like, do something about it. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of the time as we're younger, we're like, let me just will it away. <laughs> let me just, I feel better. I, I'll feel better. It's fine. Like, no, listen to your body, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So who knows if he was feeling some type of way and just like, I'm in the moment. It's fine, you know? <laughs> but yeah, so he was everyone's TV dad for almost 10 years. And as a lead star of Full House, like you mentioned, and that began in 1987. Fans remember him as a wholesome family man, someone warm, as a caretaker. He was also a pretty raunchy guy, specifically in his stand-up. From 89 to 97, he also hosted America's Funniest Home Videos, which aired concurrently with Full House. Mm -hmm. He voiced the other dad, Ted, Mm -hmm. the narrator in How I Met Your Mother. And everyone's like, I don't know how that guy and that guy sounded like but we'll just take it um he did a standout cameo in half baked uh, and he was playing a recovering crackhead <laughs> his range and love of making people feel good definitely shined in in the work that he did yeah these you know are just a few among many other appearances he made on film and television over the years 
John Mayer, Jimmy Kimmel, and Jeff Ross were just a few of those that were able to give more insight into what kind of man Bob Saget really was. Mayer and Ross went to recover Bob's car from LAX, and they did a live tribute from Mayer's IG account for 25 minutes. We all know the airport pickup is always a rough one, and I can't imagine, you know, what it would feel like having to drive your buddy's car immediately after such a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. Um, here are some of the words that they had to say. He's like legit driving and crying. Mm-hmm. And then he basically says like anyone, like no one else could advise me to make it make sense the way he did. Like I can try to reword the things in, in the, the counsel he'd give me, but like I don't even come close to the type of like wisdom that Bob gave me pretty much is what he's saying. Yeah. And then we go on, you know, there's another clip from Jimmy Kimmel where he's actually live and he's like, I had to take this like 14 times and I still can't quite get it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he kind of shows an outpouring of love as well. And we'll play that as well. If you read anything about Bob online last night, if you saw any of the many thoughts from people who knew him personally, a word that came up a lot was... Uh, the sweetest and uh, Bob was the sweetest he was the sweetest man Um, and the reason people wrote that is because it's true I'm sorry I taped this like 14 times and I, I, I just at the time of this recording his official cause of death has not been released we do know that he was diagnosed with COVID a few weeks before he died Saget reportedly texted a friend about his diagnosis two days before his death, saying he got sick sometime around the holidays, but was feeling better. Telling you that Omicron got everybody during the holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, But and and they were saying that at his last performance, that he seemed fine. But who knows? Maybe he was just really willing it, you know, Um, there. There was no evidence, like we said earlier, of drug use or foul play. And we may not know the full, like I said, autopsy report result and for another 10 to 12 weeks from this point it this one is truly confusing yeah mm-hmm. he'll be remembered as someone who made people smile and laugh but also as someone who pioneered making everyone who crossed his path feel worthy yeah definitely to pull us a, l- a little further away from <laughs> you know being down and even though we do want to cover those because they're two great people and we just want to honor their memory but yeah. we're moving on so huge sport spoiler alert warning if you have yet to see spider-man no way home you'll want to skip over this next segment so you know i'll give you a few seconds to get yourself out <laughs> <laughs> Alright. <laughs> well, Marvel and Sony really threw us for a loop in having Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire come in at Spider-Man 2. <laughs> I thought it was really great and loved that they gave Andrew Spider-Man some closure too when, you know, when he did the thing. It's already spoilers when he caught <laughs> MJ. <laughs> New MJ was yeah. saved, y'all. <laughs> And I can't help but notice that Andrew Garfield is really making a comeback, if you will. And the people are loving him. So let's get into his experience coming back as Spider-Man and then some with his other work. Of course, the rumors have been going crazy for so long after Marvel revealed their multiverse. And for a while, there have been fan theories of whether Toby and Andrew would be coming back and reprising their roles as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. 
So it comes to no surprise that Andrew had to deny these rumors for some time. (laughs) After a few trailers came out regarding the film, Andrew really tried to drive the point across that he is not involved with the film in any way. And, you know, fans are just going at him. They're like, "We, we have a feeling you're in it, you know? And his job is to obviously deny, deny, deny. And, of course, this leads to people saying, well, if he is in it and they're trying to hide it from us, obviously he can't be confirming anything about it. (laughs) Those Disney NDAs, baby. (laughs) Well, eventually some photos got leaked in where it shows the three Spider-Men. But even then, Andrew continued to deny. And it's actually a meme I've seen going around where it's a few screen grabs of Andrew denying he's in the film. And at the (laughs) bottom, it's T'Challa saying, get this man an Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, if you've seen the film or if it was spoiled for you, unfortunately, you know that he was actually in the film. And he says that hiding it was both stressful, but weirdly enjoyable. So he says this. It was like the massive game of werewolf that I was playing with journalists and with people guessing. And it was very fun. <laughs> and if you don't know, werewolf is basically like a older version of Among Us where you just find the odd one out or odd ones out. Oh, yeah. Is that the one where you go like villager, werewolf, nurse or something? Yeah, like that? something like that. Uh-huh. And he continues by saying... Like anyone who's played the game werewolf knows if you are the werewolf, your heart kind of sinks because you know you have a stressful couple of hours ahead of you. You're going to have to lie to your friends' faces and try to convince them that you are not the bad guy in the game. (laughs) But it was thrilling, actually. And he goes on to say that he just put himself in like his fan perspective and acted as how he would have wanted the actor to keep a secret. It's a little weird, but... Okay, I I found a way to make it less weird. (laughs) He decided to act how he would have wanted Tobey Maguire to act in this situation. Very good. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Of course, with the leaks of the photo proof, he did have a freak out, but he was just told to keep denying, and he did. (laughs) (laughs) So to throw in a couple like fun facts, he actually improvised the "I love you guys" line, and he meant it for Toby and Tom Holland. How sweet. And that's one of a lot of people's favorite, like, moments in the film. And just to know that it was improvised and actually meant between them, it's so nice. (laughs) And (laughs) also from Insider, Garfield also said that the scene where he caught MJ, Zendaya, convinced him to be part of the film. And this brought closure to his character who failed to save his own love interest in Amazing Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, that that really was, like, a great... The audience went wild. (laughs) That was like probably my favorite moment outside of like, spoiler alert, Venom hanging out at a tiki bar. (laughs) (laughs) So Andrew was approached by Amy Pascal, Kevin Feige, and John Watts through a phone call discussing the possibility of bringing them all together. And he said it sounded fun. And as a fan himself, he says just the idea of seeing three Spider-Men in the same frame was enough. And once all three of them were actually suited together, Andrew said, I think the first time we were all in suit together, it was hilarious because it's just like three ordinary dudes who are just actors just hanging out. But then also, you just become a fan and say, oh my god, we're all together in the suits and we're doing the pointy thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Overall, it sounds like he had a great time on set. And also, him and Toby only shot for two weeks, which is kind of crazy, like, 
the amount of time that they're in the movie in two weeks is pretty impressive. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. So yeah, he had a great time on set and the fans loved it, you know. I saw a tweet saying, I like how the coolest Spider-Man thought he was the lamest one, just with scream grabs from his Spider-Man movies. And it's mm. I think this is where people realize that it was indeed like way past him why the spider-man movies were the way they are or the amazing spider-man movies but he himself you know did the best with what he was given (laughs) right it wasn't his inability to act or portray the character like he had to deal with exterior forces in the production world Mm -hmm. yeah also another fun thing that happened is toby and andrew snuck into a movie theater to watch the film to see how the viewers reacted when they made their debuts but they ended up staying for the entirety of the movie (laughs) and here's a meme i saw regarding that situation (laughs) so funny yeah how toby and andrew came to watch no way home and it's them disguised (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> two tickets for no way home please <laughs> andrew has also been asked if he'd been if he'd be interested in becoming spider-man again and he said i mean yes definitely open to something if it felt right peter and spider-man those characters are all about service to the greater good and the many and the many yeah Fans love the idea and are asking for the Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man 3. Some even asking for it to be him against Venom. Mm. (laughs) Here's what Twitter has to say about this. So one of them says, Andrew Garfield deserves the Amazing Spider-Man 3 more than Tobey Maguire deserves Spider-Man 4. At least the latter got a trilogy trilogy (laughs) and is beloved. Andrew got failed by everyone and deserves this so much. So, yeah, people people want it. <laughs> it's so funny. We need Spider-Man 3. Yeah. We need the amazing Spider-Man 3. Yeah, like, <laughs> they, they don't care that there's two Spider-Mans out at the same time. <laughs> They're like, I don't care. <laughs> Give us what we want. Yeah. Other than Spider-Man, though, Andrew has had a couple other big releases in 2021, including The Eyes of Tammy Faye, where he plays the love interest, I believe, and Tick, Tick, Boom, where he's the lead. I've heard some really good things about Tick, Tick, Boom, and it's on Netflix, so maybe I'll check it out soon. It is a musical, though. I'm not the biggest fan of musicals. (laughs) Mm And to close out this segment, Jess actually sent me a picture of an article titled Andrew Garfield was desperate to join Narnia films, but was told he's not handsome enough. How dare they? <laughs> yeah, I think he's a really good looking guy. So yeah. <laughs> I won't be going into too much detail for the sake of timing, but <laughs> apparently he auditioned for the role of Prince Caspian. According to Variety, Garfield went to his agent after he lost the role and asked, Why not me? And she eventually just broke under my insistent nagging. And she was like, It's because I don't think you're handsome enough, Andrew. (laughs) And he goes on to say, Ben Barnes is a very handsome, talented man. So in retrospect, I'm not unhappy with the decision. And I think he did a beautiful job. (laughs) What a good sport. Like... (laughs) He's like, yeah, you're a handsome guy. I'll let it slide. (laughs) I may be the more handsome one, but it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe he'll come up as Prince Caspian. (laughs) Maybe. Look, you are pretty, Andrew. You are. Don't let the, don't believe the haters. (laughs) If you're hearing this. (laughs) Okay, but 
what's with all the sneaking around around mm-hmm. here? Well, you know, they're celebrities. They have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> and it's their movie. Even more no choice. Um, but now we're sneaking into movie theaters, into possible positions of power. <laughs> all the plosives in that last sentence, dude. Possible positions of power. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Previous to the current prime minister of Haiti. Yes, we are going in that direction because it is current events. <laughs> so previous to the current prime minister of Haiti, Ariel Henry. So, right, we have Biden now. Mm-hmm. That's us. They're Ariel Henry. Haiti had a president named Jovenel Moise. Haitian President Jovenel Moise served as president from 2017 until his assassination in 2021. Oh. This is a good one, you guys. <laughs> yeah. He was sworn in as president in February 2017 after winning the November 2016 election. In 2019, however, there was a lot of political unrest and calls for his resignation became a crisis. I didn't investigate if he was our version of Trump or Biden necessarily. And truthfully, they're both like the opposite ends of the exact same coin. (laughs) Um, So tomato, tomato, bruh. But what I do know is that, unfortunately, at the time of his murder, the nation was already troubled and then thrown into disarray. So, like, let's just make it yeah. worse. Um, <laughs> Meet a dead horse. <laughs> right. Let's, let's keep going. Let's just... How much worse can this get? At the time, the capital was under siege from gangs. It, you know, was having a collapse in economy. And leftover you know whatever leftover leadership there was was like fighting to take control Mm -hmm. so that doesn't help so here comes ariel henry right to the rescue Mm -hmm. like he received pledges of support from overseas and promised to smooth some of the rifts that were taking place in haiti they all say that am i right (laughs) Mm -hmm. he also pledged to bring the assassins to justice anyway now There's this third guy, Joseph Felix Badio. He is a former priest. I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. Uh, He actually used to be a justice ministry official. And now he's wanted, (laughs) dead or alive. Um, I kid again. But he is wanted by the Haitian authorities on suspicion of organizing the attack that killed Mr. Moise. Wow. mm -hmm. That's why I I picked the story because I was like, oh, this is so juicy. Um, I pull on my invisible collar, my invisible, uncomfortable collar. Anyway, phone records seen by the New York Times confirmed that Barrio spoke to current prime Henry before the killing and afterward, <laughs> including in two calls for a total of seven minutes the morning after the assassination. Mm. Coincidence? <laughs> Four months after the assassination, the official said Mr. Barrio went to Mr. Henry's official residence twice, both times at night. Mm. And was able to walk in unimpeded by the prime minister's security guards like he owned the place or something, (laughs) despite being on the run from the police. And just like in the movies, in an empty construction site, while on the run from authorities, a fourth fella, who we'll call Mr. Jar... um, he he's a former businessman, former drug trafficker, and he, that man gave all the four. You know, he was a four one one extraordinaire. 
Um, and he spilled those beans to the New York Times. <laughs> he told NYT that he helped finance and plan the plot of the murder of old President Moise. He mentioned that Mr. Barrio stated that Ariel Henry, current prime, would serve as a useful ally after the president was overthrown. Mr. Barrio said this. He is my good friend. I have full control of him. <laughs> Ooh. After the assassination, Mr. Jar and Mr. Barrio shared a safe house together, and he ultimately did get caught in the Dominican Republic. So, haha, sorry, Mr. Jar, you thought you could get away. Um, <laughs> this was a total coup, man. Here's the thing, though. Mr. Jar didn't think they were going to actually kill the president. He thought they were just going to make him step down with threats and violence, of course, <laughs> uh, but not actually kill him. And so the new prime keeps moving people up into different positions of power that are also implicated in this. <laughs> and the plot thickens. And this just happened like a few months ago, by the way. <laughs> the plot thickens. And I'll end this one with this. Mr. Jar stated he agreed to join the conspiracy because he was told that Mr. Bar or he was told by Mr. Barrio and other plotters that it had full support from the United States. <gasps> <laughs> If the United States government was involved, then it was safe. That is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Jar said this, you know, outlining his thinking at the time. Uh, jokes on you, my guy, as Sassy <laughs> laughed along with us. The U.S. government only cares about number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you know who else only cared about number one? Real estate heir Robert Durst. Mm -hmm. Segway. More death. <laughs> so, more death. For this story, I will skim off the top. But if you want us to deep dive into Robert Durst's true crime... Well, we will. Mm -hmm. So just let us know on social or email us at toxinsips at gmail.com. Robert Allen Durst was born April 12, 1943 in Manhattan and was not an only child, <laughs> which you guys know I like to joke about. He was born into an empire, you see. He was used to getting what he wanted. His father was the patriarch of a Manhattan office and apartment-building empire that was founded by his grandpappy in 1927. So this is some old money right here. Mm. He may or may not have witnessed his mom die from falling or jumping from the roof of their home when he was seven years old. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. At some point in his youth, he was sent to psychiatric counseling. Uh, so what do we know? He died on Monday, January 10, 2022. At the age of 78, he was suspected of multiple murders before being convicted of killing his friend. And he died in San Joaquin General Hospital after going into cardiac arrest. And last October, he got the Rona too. Wow. So the common thing I'm seeing here is don't trust your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the president was like, I thought we were friends. <laughs> And this guy, bye-bye hmm. <laughs> guy. Durst was found guilty last year for murdering his friend Susan Berman after prosecutors said that he shot her before she could speak to police about the 1982 disappearance of his wife, wow. Kathy McCormick. Mm -hmm. So she knew something. McCormick's body was never found, by the way. Wow. 
He was also previously charged with killing his neighbor, Morris Black, whose body was dismembered. After he claimed self-defense in 2003, he was acquitted. In 2015, however, HBO aired a popular documentary series called The Jinx, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst, which ended with a bombshell. After filmmaker Andrew Jarecki confronted him with a new piece of evidence pertaining to Berman's murder, Durst could be heard speaking to himself in the bathroom while not realizing that his microphone was still on. Kill them all, of course. <laughs> oh, is that is that a what do they call that when you admit something? A confession. <laughs> Is that a confession? Was, is that a confession? A jury found Durst guilty of Berman's murder in September, and he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. The filmmaker of the jinx stated to Good Morning America, and he said, The verdict was very gratifying because this is a man who's evaded justice for so long. He did. He got away with it for a mm -hmm. while. But boom! Pop goes the weasel. But on the bright side, a very awesome episode from Seinfeld came to life this month, too. <laughs> All right. So in season five, episode five of Seinfeld, this episode is called The Bris. A bris is the Jewish rite of circumcision, if you guys didn't know what that was. Kramer happens to go to the hospital where Jerry is at and walks into the wrong room only to discover a pig man. And here's a clip. Oh, it's a pig man! A pig man! He still has a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so funny. Okay. As the episode progresses, he looks for him as the pig man is no longer in the room. But of course, everyone thinks he's crazy. Like, what? <laughs> so he his mission becomes to save him. By the end, Kramer finds the pig man and gives him a piggyback ride <laughs> as he runs out of the hospital with him. Get it? A piggyback ride. <laughs> oh, they're so clever. Okay, so the real life story, U.S. doctors transplanted a pig's heart into a human patient in a last ditch effort to save his life on January 10. The patient's name is David Bennett, a 57 year old Maryland handyman. Mm. He had no guarantee that this experiment would work, by the way, but to the moment that this is being filmed, he is still alive. Wow. The heart is working. I wonder I wonder if he brought that up or if the doctor brought it up. Like, you know, we could try one more thing. Or <laughs> I think the doctors did, because those guys were like kind of experimenting. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. So doctors at the University of Maryland Medical Center say the transplant showed that a heart from a genetically modified animal can function in a human body without immediate rejection. Mm. It was either die or do the transplant. I want to live. I know it's a shot in the dark, but it's my last choice. And this is what Bennett had to say a day before his surgery. The next few weeks will be critical as Bennett recovers from the surgery and doctors carefully, carefully monitor how his heart is faring. Apparently, there is a shortage in human organs donated for transplants. So yikes, uh, which is why scientists are needing to get kind of creative with this stuff. In 1984... A dying infant lived 21 days with a baboon heart. That's so crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Di yeah. Difference is that this 
pig heart underwent gene editing mm. and the pig heart valves, you know, have in, in history, pig heart valves have also been used successfully in the past in humans too. Go science. Yeah. <laughs> this accomplishment may spark feuds between vegetarians and meat eaters, conservatives and liberals, but no feud can match the feud that was reignited earlier this month. The feud I'm talking about is the feud between Elmo and Rocco, Zoe's pet rock. <laughs> and you must be thinking to yourself, Sesame Street? Really? Look, adults have decided to adopt Elmo's mantra, and Elmo <laughs> also influences the children and their future pettiness. And of course, Twitter and TikTok remain undefeated here, and let me explain why. <laughs> Several Elmo clips have gone viral on TikTok over the past few weeks that you'll have to check out for yourself. That interest eventually made it its way to Twitter, of course, where even more clips such as Elmo's passionate New York accent that appears in a five-year-old video where the Sesame Street cast answered the most Googled questions about the show popped off, y'all. <laughs> and yes, we are going to play this for you. It's Sesame Street in New York. New York, baby! Boy! Baby boy. <laughs> boy. <laughs> so good, right? And so someone, you know, someone who reposted it was like, please, why is Elmo so funny? Like, it's, And it had like 91K hearts and like a bajillion reshares. This wasn't even his best rediscovery video, though, guys. On January 3rd, at one booty tweeted a 35 a 35 second clip from a 2004 episode of Sesame Street featuring Elmo and Zoe fighting over a cookie just watch that's Elmo's favorite oh Gabby can Elmo have an oatmeal raisin cookie instead please oh gee Elmo that was my last one oh that's okay Gabby Elmo will just take this one no 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 wait wait Elmo what? Rocco says that he wants the oatmeal raisin cookie Rocco video was viewed more than 7.2 million times on Twitter, that one, and he is so frustrated that everyone around him is treating Rocco like a living thing, both <laughs> humans and puppets alike, and he ain't having it, bro. So of course, the Twitter mob dug up some more gold. Oh, wow. Hey, could I please play with you too? Please, please, please? Well, Elmo was going to play with just Gabby, but uh, Elmo can tell that Zoe really wants to play. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ready? Yeah, you're ready. Okay, here we go. Rocco's ready. 
does, Rocco. Yeah. Rocco? But Rocco didn't even move. Sure he did. You were just too busy to notice. <laughs> so, what should we do next? Oh, Rocco's got a lot of things he wants to do. You know, in these moments, they zoom in on Elmo at his pettiest, <laughs> where he's just going ham on Zoe, of course. <laughs> and this feud blew up enough that Elmo had to finally, finally clarify things via his verified Twitter account on January 5th. <laughs> Don't worry, everybody. Elmo and Zoe practice sharing and are still best buds forever. Elmo loves you, Zoe. Ha, ha, ha. Elmo doesn't want to talk about Rocco. And then he goes, Has anybody ever seen a Rocky, a cookie? Elmo is just curious. It's <laughs> funny. As you know, Twitter is a whole nother animal. So this did not quelch the feud at all. <laughs> and the memes began dropping like they were hot. And we will post those up. And so here's a scene from one of those, like one of the little dramatic movies that came out recently with Scarlett Joe and Adam Driver. Yeah. And they just superimposed Zoe and uh, Elmo's head. <laughs> and then here's, uh, I think this is Larry David from Curve Your Enthusiasm. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? How's he going to eat it? Rocco doesn't have a mouth. Rocco's not alive. <laughs> so the question is, whose side are you guys on? <laughs> and lastly, this episode, you know, it's it's been a doozy, I would say. And I hope you guys had a pen and paper to help you remember all of it. So many great conversational topics here for you guys to use. <laughs> but now, lastly, in entertainment, it was announced that Bob's Burgers... It's getting a movie. Yeah, it will be a musical comedy mystery adventure. That's a lot in one. <laughs> the Bob's Burgers movie will follow the trials of the Belchers after a sinkhole opens in front of their Bob's Burgers restaurant, serving the family and their clientele from the source of their livelihood. While Linda and Bob brainstorm new business strategies to stay afloat, their children Tina, Jean, and Louise band together to embark on an adventure involving horse riding and robots to save the family's restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, I'm so excited for this movie. Um, they have been airing since 2011 and have a couple of awards now. The film comes from Disney and 20th Century Films. <clears throat> Used to be Fox. <clears throat> Owned by Disney. <clears throat> Same thing. Anyway, it will debut exclusively in a movie theater in movie theaters on May 27th. That's so exciting. Mm -hmm. Another thing to be really excited about is that history was also made for South Korean actor Oh Young Su. He claimed the country's first Golden Globe Award. How exciting! Ooh. Yay! <laughs> oh is seventy-seven years old and won over others who were starring in Succession and The Morning Show. And that's why when we were talking about Betty White earlier, I was like, "Yeah, this, this presents opportunity for a whole different age group of people." Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. talented, very talented people. This is huge for representation. This is huge for the culture, for their culture, like. Cheers to South Korea and for talented actors in his age group. Way to go. And, you know, what a fun month it's been. Like I said, we had a few ups, we had a few downs, but overall yeah. it just kept on keeping on. So, but as you know, that wraps us today in this episode. And as always, guys, we leave you with the burning final question. And it's really simple this time around. And that is which event from this month impacted you more than you thought it would? 
There's a lot to choose from, so let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to follow our podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can support us on Patreon, all under Talks and Sips. For our personal accounts, mine is at sessie.nciso. And mine is at jfox with two X's and two underscores. And we also have our website, ToxinSips.com, where you can check out the links for all of our episodes, this one included for our sources. And that all being said, we have been Toxin Sips, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.